This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. Oh, he loves to fire that. What a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse 95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. Wonderful. <laughs> Salam and welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri. I'm your host, cover everything sport, international and local. Now, seeing that it's Mental Health Awareness Week, it's only right that we get you a mental health specialist. And because obviously we're big here on the Halftime Show on Pulse95 Radio about mental health, I'm delighted to be bringing on Dr. Rina Bajaj on here. She's a counseling psychologist. She's a mental health and well-being expert. She's an award-winning psychologist and also the author of her new book, The Magic in Me. And she's here on the only place to be at three, the Halftime Show on Pulse95. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. Oh, he loves to fire that. What a goal. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. Wonderful. It's time. So now welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse95 Radio in the heart of Sharjah in the UAE. And as I said to you, seeing there is Mental Health Awareness Week, it's only right we bring you a mental health specialist and a good friend of mine who is an absolute legend, Dr. Rita Bajaj. Welcome to the show. Hi, Omar. Lovely to be here again. Thank you for having me. It's, it's great. I mean, you came on once while you were in the studio. That was one thing. Obviously, we can't have you here every single time. We want you to be here. But it's so good to have you on such an important week. Talk to me about the Mental Health Awareness Week. Yeah, so Mental Health Awareness Week happens once a year, but, you know, I think mental health should be something we consider more than that. But it's a great way just to stop and reflect. And, you know, just like our physical health, we all have mental health. Um, So like we might train our our bodies in the gym, we often need to sort of train our minds as well. So, you know, when we think about mental health, I think sometimes people have an issue with the word mental. But if we reframe that, what we're really thinking about is our thoughts, our feelings and how that influences our actions, but also our mindset and our approach to life and our relationships as well. Is it our upbringing or is it the media that that gets us to kind of slow down when the word mental comes up? I think it's a combination of both. So, um, you know, if we think about mental health, the awareness side of it has only really happened over the last 10 to 15 years. So I suppose with the explosion of things like the internet, like social media, it can create a space to openly talk about some concerns like mental health and well-being. But often what happens is we think about diagnosis. So we think about depression or anxiety or schizophrenia. And if we look at the press, often there's a lot of fear around thinking about well-being in in a mental sense. Um, But sometimes with our families or communities, there can be a stigma around either understanding mental health or talking about mental health or even accessing services. So we are kind of battling things like shame or a lack of education, which is where the like awareness bit is so important. How do we improve like 
that relationship with ourselves. I think that's something that a lot of people normally look at the external factors, but the internal factors are just as important. How do we improve that relationship with ourselves to get the best out of our own mental health? So it really is about having more spaces to be more mindful and also to reflect. Because if you think about the way most people live life, we're constantly busy. We're constantly distracted, we're overloaded, we're overwhelmed with either information or stuff that we have to do. So we are in the state of constantly doing. And I think, you know, part of that is to then come back to the being. So I encourage things like regular check-ins with yourself, or even if you're doing a task, I'm guilty of this sometimes, you try and do a million things at the same time. But just focus on one thing at a time. If you can't tune into your thoughts and tune into your body, like how am I feeling today? So you can use something like a traffic light tool where you're like, okay, am I red, amber or green? Uh, okay, if I'm amber, which is kind of on the edge, like what do I need? If I'm in the red and I'm, I'm struggling, like what can help me? And then you want to also proactively think about your mental health toolkit. So sometimes that's talking to certain people or it might be um, engaging with organisations or a therapist or a coach to talk about your feelings and your emotions. And other times it's that self-management bit. So, you know, what makes you feel good? Is that exercise? Is that watching your favourite TV programme? Is it going for a walk? You know, is it listening to your favourite music? So you probably have a few things in your toolkit that you wouldn't necessarily connect with mental health, but if it makes you feel better and if it changes your thoughts more from a negative to a neutral or a positive thought, it's probably really good for your mental health. So building more of those moments, both proactively, but also spontaneously. I like that. I like the toolkit. That, that was wicked. I'm, I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah, we all need a mental health toolkit. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and, and especially again going back to like the awareness part of mental health awareness week mm. it's it's normally one of those things where people sometimes they want to say something about it or they want to acknowledge it but they're kind of reluctant or waiting for someone else to say something first how do we reverse that it's, it's something i've i've looked into but i don't really have the answer for that. how do we reverse that so more people can talk about it yeah, so I think platforms like this, being able to talk about it via social media. Um, and I think sometimes it does involve taking the risk. So um, ways in might be kind of just more casual conversations. So talking about mental health doesn't have to be like a sit down, formal conversations, you know, walks and talks, the, the general conversations that you have sitting in the car driving somewhere. Just even calling a friend to check in and say like, how are you? Uh, no, but how are you really? Like, what's been good about your day? What could be different? And these are things that parents can even do with children. Like at the end of the day, just do an emotional check-in. How was your day? What was one good thing? What was a challenge? How did you overcome it? So you don't have to kind of go into the depths of what you're feeling right now. And, mm. and sometimes people don't know, and that's also okay. Um, but you can also just think about what would be fun to do. Um, and I think if you are prioritising one thing for your physical health, one thing for your emotions and one thing for your mental health or your thoughts each week, you're naturally going to become more in tune with it. So I think just having more casual conversations and it can also be around things like TV programmes or, or things like Netflix or series, you know, so where you can kind of just talk about characters um, or books that you're reading where there's an emotion attached to it. So 
You don't have to have a proper sit down conversation, um, but just weave it into your everyday interactions. And that does include kind of being tuned with yourself. So, you know, you want to just check in with yourself too. Mm, I have to say, you, you had me thinking there as well, because I didn't want to watch the show and I started watching it. And it was a bit gimmicky in the beginning, but because I didn't really give it a chance. And now I've been watching the show and there's a message in every single episode. Have you seen Ted Lasso? Oh, no, I haven't seen it. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it because because it's about football. It's about coaching. And I thought, oh, no, and I'm married to an American. And I was just going to go down really badly. But actually, every single episode in there has quite a human message. And I never thought that I would be into that show. But when you just said now, like watching Netflix or watching something that can kind of remind you of characters, I think that's definitely one of the, the many characters in that show that's got me thinking. And I think a lot of people if they do watch that show and they do give it a chance which i didn't want to give it in the first place um they'll see that message through it so yeah maybe you maybe the next time i chat to you you have a look and let me yeah. know what you think can have a discussion around it and this is it you know i suppose mental health and emotions and thoughts are all around us um you know even if you're talking to someone like as a coach for example about their goals or their vision that's all mental health that's all well-being so if you don't like the term mental don't use it use thoughts use feelings use actions use goals um, use language that aligns to you because also with mental health we sometimes think of that as disorders and it's not it's just a part of our overall well-being um, and and that's important to remember as well where you know we can tackle other parts of our well-being and then tackle our thoughts alongside it i think we just got our first nugget for the social media brilliant <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and when we get back, we're diving straight into it with Dr. Rina on the only place to be at three, the Halftime Show on Pulse95. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. On Pulse95. Oh, he loves to fire that What's a goal. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri on Pulse95. Nice strike. Salam and welcome to the Halftime Show on Pulse95 Radio on the Heart of Sharjah. Shout out to everyone who's tuned in around the world, whether it's 95FM, Pulse95Radio.com, our app, Sharjah Broadcasting Authority, or if you're chilling at home, watching us live on YouTube. And that's what it's all about because the first segment was fire. The second segment now, it's a personal congratulations, has to go out to Dr. Rina because Dr. Rina, you got a book out. I do. I'm a published author. It feels amazing because this wasn't just a professional goal of mine. This has been a personal goal of mine. I remember being a child and saying, might I want to write a book? So that for me is a huge emotional achievement. Um, and then whatever the book does, it does. I think whether it's therapy or projects that I'm involved with, my philosophy is that it can, if it can help one person, then that's good. It's been worth it. Um, so, you know, hopefully someone will pick it up and be like, oh, that's a nugget or that's interesting or maybe I can use that tool. So, yeah, it does feel, I feel very grateful. Um, it's been work, but it's definitely been worth it on a personal and professional level. The book is called The Magic in Me. And for those that don't know, um, it takes a lot to put a piece of you out there into the world you put your heart and soul into it talk to me about finally like releasing it and then getting your first copy in your hand 
So, you know, I, even though I'm a psychologist, surprise, surprise, I'm not perfect, right? You know, I get into patterns where you also have those limiting beliefs coming up, you know, the I can't. And I think what you said there is, is really important because it does feel like it's the part of me and it can feel quite exposing. You know, um, the, the fear, the irrational fear is that people will pick it up and say it's completely rubbish. And some people might, and that's okay as well, but it's just an opinion, it's not a fact. Um, so I've had to like constantly challenge myself. So I actually started writing a lot of the book during lockdown. Um, and yeah, it was then finding a publisher which spurred me to then set goals for myself to reach deadlines. But a lot along the way, there was that fear of exposure. There was a sense that, you know, maybe other people can do it and I can't. The imposter syndrome sort of kicked in. And then I remembered my why. Why do I want to do this? And yeah, personally, it would have made me feel happier. I'd feel proud of myself. But also I recognise that a lot of people either can't access therapy or won't access therapy. And there's some tools in therapy that could be really useful just to integrate into everyday life. And I think I'm a bit kind of spoiled in my profession where I'm used to listening to people's stories every single day. And sometimes I forget that other people don't have the benefit of that experience. So even with my clients, I was noticing certain trends and it really just led me to think about the relationship that we have with ourselves because that sets the tone for everything else in our life, according to kind of my book and my plan. Um, so I wanted to just sort of share some of my own practices, my spiritual practices, my psychological practices. And it's a little bit of me in a book, which is exciting, but scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first, the first kind of moment of holding the book in my hand just felt completely unreal. Um, yeah, so it's just like, okay, I'm actually a published author. I actually yes. have a book. Yes. Um, so I'm still getting used to that idea, but we'll see how it goes. Good for you, man. Well done. I'm so proud of you. Like, you deserve it. And you, and you mentioned there about about that feeling of, of releasing, uh, you know, a piece of you out there to everyone and, and you listening to stories. And what's interesting about the book, and I can't wait to actually tuck into it, is that it's divided into three sections from what I understand. And, and you were talking about relationship with self, others, and connecting with or individual identity and what you need, really. Can you tell me more about those three things and, and how you chose to kind of divide them up? Yeah, so I think when we think about relationships, um, probably people think about romantic relationships more than kind of the relationship with themselves. So I wanted to write a self-empowerment book and I call it an empowerment book rather than a self-help book because this is about you reconnecting with yourself. So you asked me sort of earlier around whether the way that we react, we react to things is based on our um, internalised beliefs, our experiences or if it's learned and it's a, it's a bit of all three. Um, so what this is, is it helps people to sort of check in with themselves unlearn what hasn't been working and then relearn what does work for them because it's easy for us to mold ourselves into what other people expect of us or what they want us to be so whether that's family society um, just kind of day-to-day -day people around us our inner circle so I have divided this book into three sections. So it's a 30-day program. So my suggestion would be to work through it in that way, but you can also dip into it. So you could randomly open the book and go into any activity. So this is about taking inspired action. I will say it's not a quick fix. 
And any real self-development or any real connection to the self is hard work. You know, sometimes you see things that you don't want to see. Sometimes you have to sit with thoughts that are uncomfortable. Sometimes you have to hold emotions which can feel overwhelming. Um, so the first section is about the relationship with yourself. So you start to identify some of your limiting beliefs. But I also give you tools to challenge that. I go through a lot of my grounding and mindfulness and meditation techniques. So you've actually got practical things that you can integrate into your day-to-day -day life. The second section is about your people around you, so your outer relationships. And once you've done a bit of the inner reflection, you start to look outwards rather than the other way. And then you start to think about, right, who are the drainers in my life? Who are the people that light me up? How can I put in boundaries? How can I um, go to my own I am statements and really figure out my values as a person, regardless of what other people want from me? which is also a little bit of a challenge when maybe you might have been a people pleaser or you play certain roles in relationships. I talk a lot about attachment as well because that can shape how we relate. And then the third section is about reconnecting to the authentic you. So if we go back to the in, inside and then we strip away some of the things with the outside, how is it that you want to live in the now? You know, what is your future self looking like? What are the actions that you need to take to get you there? So it's a little bit of a journey. Um, and so you don't have to do it all in one go. But I think if you can stick with it, it's a book that you can kind of pick up and go back to again and again. So every day you have an activity to do, which should take about 10 minutes. So it's also about real investment in yourself. And then there's a journaling section so you can check in. So you can either do it with the journal or without. It's up to you. I like the fact you started with the relationship with the self because a lot of the times we we do look at factors that are influencing us rather than what we're influencing so i think that's the first thing that gets me really engaged in what you're saying and then you break it down in the second part which is with others and then that is another thing but again like they say you know you put your your mask on first before you you look after someone else on the plane and then the third one is kind of connecting which is something that a lot of the times we're disconnected from a lot of things that are really mean something to us. So it definitely gets me engaged. And I think when you said, you know, empowering, again, the words, the terms, the, 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 the relating to these things gets me hooked. I can't wait. I can't wait. I think it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm very, very proud of you. That's awesome. Thank you. And this is about your internal validation, right? Because I think often I hear people saying things like, when I do X, then I'll be happy. When I'm in a relationship, I'll feel happy. When I earn X amount of money, things will be fantastic. And what you end up doing is you end up putting your control outside of yourself. Um, or you end up overcompensating or pushing yourself or burning out. Which is why when you start with the self, you can actually think about, well, what is really driving me here? Why am I looking for this external validation? You still might want a bit of that, we are human, but it's not your driving force. And I think it just puts people back into the driving seat of their lives. Brilliant, brilliant, right, okay. All right, guys, we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back and get much more of Dr. Reno on the only place to be at three, the halftime show on Pulse 95. This is the halftime show. Omar Adouri. Oh, he loves to fire that 
This is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. Wonderful. It's time. and welcome back to the Halftime Show on Pulse95 Radio. And if you're kicking yourself for missing the show, don't worry. You can catch all of our episodes on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud if you prefer a podcast. Or if you want to see the lovely Doctorina in person, then head over to our YouTube channel and check out Pulse95 Radio and she will be there. The whole episode will be uploaded on YouTube thanks to Super Mario from the Pulse95 Radio team who makes it happen. Doctorina, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, mental health, I always say, is a practice. It's not a, a one-stop shop. But what can we do to help make this practice a habit? Mm. So I would say habit requires consistent action. And so like the theme of this, uh, this week's Mental Health Awareness Week is anxiety. Um, and so I think we all have experienced some form of anxiety. Um, sometimes we aren't good with changes or just day-to-day uncertainty. Um, but I think in order to change, just like you would train your body in the gym, you also have to train your mind but you have to take small, consistent action steps. So um, there's simple things that you can do. So for example, just waking up in the morning, taking a breath, just sitting with yourself. Maybe my general practice is I'll start in the morning by taking a moment, taking a breath, just breathing in, hold, breathe out, just tune into my body. And then I start with a gratitude practice just because I feel that helps me with my mindset. And some days it's easier than the other days, but that's probably the days that you need to do it where your motivation is dipped or maybe it's harder to look for the good things in life. Because if you don't set your day up in that way, what can happen is your brain will then look for all the red flags throughout the day and potentially spiral you into a more negative place. If you start with some gratitude, if you just take moments throughout the day, And I know it's hard to sometimes, um, you know, take long chunks of time, but even if it was two minutes or five minutes, go out for a walk, do a bit of tapping. So tapping, you would just cross your arms and tap or tap on your legs, which helps with your nervous system. Do one thing for your body that day and then have a practice before you go to bed as well. So I start with gratitude again, and then I might do some visualization around what I want to create tomorrow. So you have to schedule in time for your self-care. And sometimes that's something that I hear, you know, I don't have time, I'm really busy. Okay, it doesn't have to be a whole day or half a day. You can find 30 seconds within a day or a minute within a day. And that can be your foundation to then work on your building blocks to increasing your level of self-care. Another thing that we need to watch is our thoughts. So our thoughts are extremely powerful. And about 95% of our thoughts are unconscious. So those are the same thoughts that we had the day before and the day before and the day before, etc. So the reason why our thoughts are so powerful is because that shapes the actions that we take. If I'm constantly saying to myself internally, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I'm going to mess up, going to mess up. Actually, that's going to impact on how confident I feel and maybe whether I lean into situations or whether I avoid situations. So my tip around thoughts would be to just spend like even a couple of days consciously tuning into what you're saying to yourself in your head. 
And then you want to start to really notice any negative thoughts, so any can'ts or shoulds or musts or rigid thinking. So it's this or it's that, I'm a success or I'm a failure. And just notice where you're a little bit self-critical. And then you want to start to balance some of those thoughts because that will shift your mood and it will also shift your action. So how you balance your thoughts is you look for the evidence for the thought. So imagine that you're presenting your thought to Judge Rena. Okay, we're in court now. <laughs> what is the evidence that this thought is 100% true? Not your felt sense, not just because, but real evidence. And you'll probably realize there's not so much real evidence. And then what's the evidence that it's not true? And then you want to create more of a balanced thought. So I think if you regularly engage in thought challenging, you'll notice a little bit of a shift in your thoughts over time and you'll get skewed more towards a positive. And then you also want to check in on your I am statements. So what are you saying about yourself? Can you start to bring in a few more positive affirmations? But believable positive affirmations because you've got to feel them. So if I was saying to myself internally, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm no good enough. If I suddenly was to say to myself, I'm amazing, I'm amazing, I might not feel that way. But if I was to shift that to say, okay, I'm a work in progress, I'm doing the best I can, that might be more believable. So I might start with that affirmation and then over time, it will shift to I'm amazing. And that will be more believable to me because my sense of self will change. So. It is about tuning into maybe what you're not aware of to then be more in control of that and steer it to where you want it to go. Amazing. <laughs> That's brilliant. Now, really, really good. I, I, one last thing before we take a quick break. I think with, with practice comes habit. With habit, like you said perfectly in the beginning of that, was comes consistency. But a lot of people sometimes, they fall off a little bit because they think that it takes X amount of days to be consistent. What's your response to that? Yeah, so, you know, we see that a lot. If your sense of self doesn't change, you go back to your old pattern. Mm -hmm. Because even if they're uncomfortable, we are creatures of habit. So I would, I would say that don't, you know, 30 days is a good day to place a star or 60 days, but it's very individual. If you think about your unconscious, these beliefs haven't just been around for 30 days. And what you're doing is introducing a new idea. So I would see this as a lifestyle change, just like you would do with your physical health. If you do a diet for 12 weeks, yeah, you're gonna look great and you're gonna feel great. But then if you go back to the way that you were eating before that, things are gonna shift back to how they were. And it's the same thing with your mind. So it's not a quick fix, but it is a lifestyle change, which is if you start with small changes, it's easier to then integrate that into your day-to-day -day life. So if you really want to change habits, it's about long-term consistency and lifestyle rather than kind of gimmicks when it comes to habits. Brilliant. Don't go anywhere long-term, folks, because we've got one more segment coming up on the Halftime Show on Pulse95 Radio. See you in a bit. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adouri. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. Wonderful. 
Salam and welcome to the Halftime Show on Pulse95 Radio. I'm gutted it's almost full-time on the Halftime Show. We've had a good time and a lot of good information from Dr. Rina here on Pulse95 Radio. Dr. Rina, thank you again for, for, for the sequel to your, uh, to your Pulse95 Radio comeback. Brilliant. Um, how important is it to disconnect and what can you do to help you do so? Especially with so much information being fed through social media, through people, through news, through everything. Yeah, I think it's extremely important to disconnect because otherwise we get overloaded. And actually, if we're in that constant state of go, 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 even on a like biological level, it triggers the stress response. And, you know, that raises our level of cortisol. It then influences our physical health over time. But it's also easier for us to sort of burn out as well. So disconnecting gives you a chance just to reconnect with yourself and to re-regulate. Um, so if you're always in that state of heightened emotion, intensity, always available, it's not sustainable long term because then you experience toxic stress. But what you can do is if you think about yourself a bit like a jug of water or actually emotional bank balance, let's go with that. Let's say you have a set amount of money in the bank. If you keep giving and giving and giving and giving, you'll go into your overdraft at some point and then you'll have no money left. And then a bank will never lend you any money again. Uni days. You also have an... Yeah, uni days. Yeah, basically. And then you're catching up with yourself, right? Trying to pay the debt off. And that's the same with our emotions. We have a limit to how much we can kind of, or ourselves, how much we can give of ourselves every day. So your moments of disconnection are your moments to top up your emotional bank balance again. And that is going to mean that you show up for things more. You're able to concentrate and focus on the tasks that you need to do. It's going to take less mental and emotional energy. You're probably going to be a more grounded person. So you're going to be more, uh, less irritable and probably a little bit nicer. Um, so the quality of your relationships will kind of go up. You're probably going to think a little bit more highly of yourself. So your self-esteem and your self-worth will go up. There's lots of ripple effects which are beneficial when it comes to disconnecting and reconnecting to yourself. So just like you wouldn't keep spending all of your money, you also need time to kind of recoup. Um, and that is, that's kind of the reason why it's important because it helps to level up your levels of stress where you can then be more reflective and responsive rather than reactive. You know, if you're tired, if you're irritable, if you're on edge, people aren't going to get the best of you. And you're not going to have the best experience of yourself either. There's a lot of things that I, I kind of look into sometimes when I'm trying to work on, on myself. I want to take your input mm. on this, seeing that I'm selfishly using this as an opportunity to chat to you on Pulse95 Radio. Um, Colouring, breath work, mm. ice mm -hmm. baths, mm -hmm. sauna. Yeah. What's your take on those? The colouring, they're all distractive tools. So actually there's a science behind them. So colouring, I mean, I use a technique called colour spotting with people where if you're feeling a little bit spaced out or you're a little bit disconnected, you pick a colour and you look around the space that you're in. So colour, what you're doing is you're tapping into your sense and you're having a focus. Also colours have emotional links. So you might choose a colour that has a specific emotional link. 
So red might be your colour, for example, uh, depending on kind of your football teams and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, colour is quite powerful. And also what it can do is, is tap into that childlike part of yourself as well. And I think as adults, we don't have enough fun. Um, so being able to kind of play and have a bit of fun and do something a little bit more creative is also really beneficial to, to us as people. The colouring, and then you said ice baths. Yep, breath work and yep. then ice baths, yeah. Okay, so breath work is really great for things like anxiety and grounding. Because often when we get anxious or we get stressed, the first thing to be out of sync is our breath. So it just gives you a sense of control. It re-regulates your parasympathetic system, which is responsible for that stress, that fight or flight. So even like 30 seconds of breath work can really help just to reground you. And if you can do some breath work where you're focusing either on something like counting or an image, that is even more beneficial because you're externalizing that and it gives you a chance for your logic to come on, especially if you're overloaded. Um, with ice bath, I mean, from a psychological perspective, when people disconnect or they're overwhelmed, temperature can be a really great way to reconnect with the body. And so with ice bath and sauna, what you're doing is altering the focus of your senses. So with a nice bath, you're going to be much more aware of what's going on in your body. You're sort of shocking your body in that moment into sort of a more grounded state. But also for both of those things, but probably more for the ice bars, you are mentally probably taking a lot of charge over who you are. So the thought of getting into an ice bath, I would be like, no way. But probably if I did it, um, I'd feel a sense of achievement. I'd feel a sense of mastery and control. So I think from a mental perspective as well, being able to tolerate that cold and uh, tolerate a change in temperature will be very empowering in the long term. So probably two benefits there. Fantastic. Did I miss anything out? If you could add one more thing, what would you add? What would I add? I would add visualization actually. So um, an interesting fact for me is that the brain can't tell the difference between something that's real and something that's imagined. So if you were to watch a scary movie, you know you're not being attacked by whoever in that movie, but you still feel the emotion because of your imagination. So we can use imagination or visualization to our advantage. And I know you work with a lot of sports professionals and a lot of sports professionals use visualizations for their goals. And how you would use visualization is probably in a couple of ways. If you're feeling overwhelmed, you can create a safe space that you then step into and you explore it with all of your senses to feel calmer. But you can also use visualization as a part of creating goals for yourself. So if you were to tune into your goal achieve self or your future self, what would that look like? How would you feel? What would you be doing? What would you be thinking? And that then gives you tangible steps to put into your now. So that would just be something else I would add. Brilliant. If you do come out to the UAE, hopefully sometime soon, would you meet my football team? I think they could learn a lot from you. Yeah, no problem. Let's do it. All right, Condado. <laughs> I'm going to visualize that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There you go, Condado. See, you, you get the best of the best coming to, to talk to you guys. Um, before I let you go, Dr. Rina, where can we follow you um, and what have you got coming up? So obviously my book is coming out on the 17th, which is really exciting. Um, I'm constantly putting things on my social media. So the main social media that I use is Instagram. So it's at dr.rena.bajaj. And that's really a passion of mine because it's about 
giving good quality information, some tips. I, I share a lot around what I do in therapy. Um, also have a look at my website, www.reenabajaj.com, where you'll have kind of a lot of information around the types of therapy that I offer. And I do see international clients as well. So I offer therapy face-to-face and via Zoom. Um, and yeah, it just gives you an insight into also the training that I offer. So I work a lot with corporate companies too. So a bit of a mixture. Fantastic. What a superstar. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been great to talk to you, Omar. And there you have it, folks. Another fantastic episode with a brilliant guest on Pulse95 Radio. Guys, take care. We'll see you soon. Remember, we catch every Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, 3 to 4 UAE time. Catch all of the podcasts on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the actual video of Dr. Rina on Pulse95 Radio YouTube channel. Take care, guys. We're out. Bye. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday from 3pm 